Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Masters and Founders. On the show this week, we are talking to entrepreneur shapeshifter Stuart Tomajan. His career in business development since started at an early age, developing an eye for great opportunities. From his initial investment in Uchi to now overseeing some of Austin's most popular eateries, Wu Chow, Guild, and Swift's Attic, Stuart knows good food and good business. I'll let him share how he's found success with chameleon companies. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Masters and Founders podcast, where we talk about anybody that has mastered a craft or founded a business. Today, we are sitting inside of Guild, going live with Stuart Tomajan, and uh, sorry, I, I might have mispronounced that, Dan Dillard and myself, Ryan Francis. Stuart, I uh, I know a little bit about you. I know you're a restaurateur. I know you are a developer. I know that you... Uh, I know a couple of people that you're partners with, like like uh, with Wu Chow. You know, I I know CK Chin, and uh, and I'm really excited to hear about your story. I kind of like to just throw people into it, and let's start from the beginning, wherever that was. We started uh, Chameleon Group in 2001 after uh, after a particular exit. I was in tech for about 12 years. And we had a couple of tech companies that we'd started and sold. And after we sold, I think it was our second or third one, we, um, we started Chameleon. We, Royal We, we started Chameleon in 2001 to, to do investments, mostly to just do outside investments. So this was fourth career. We, we, we were chatting a little bit. You had a fourth career path. I kind of want to go back to the very beginning is where you started, where your training was, and, and, and just kind of touch on the, the, the four careers. Yeah, I, I actually... Uh, moved to Austin to go to college at UT Austin. I moved from New York City, where I was born and raised. And um, after finishing college, I I ended up uh, meeting a group and ended and moved over to Europe and Asia for a little bit. And I worked in the commodities trading world, uh, physical commodities, physical oil. And then uh, after about uh, a decade or so, maybe a little less with them, uh, moved back to the United States. Moved back to uh, Moved back to Texas and uh, and started getting involved in technology and, and a few other things. Uh, technology pretty much right out of the gate. Coding and stuff, or just I was more on the operations and okay. finance side. Okay. Uh, I've never been a coder; it wasn't my strength. So I ended up in business development. I ended up in, in operations and finance. Uh, I think the commodities career helped uh, with a very a great comfort with numbers at that point. Yeah. And so when I first got back to, to Austin, I actually stayed in, in sort of the financial money management area and then you know, quickly dovetailed out of that uh, into tech. I got fascinated by technology because I got involved with a sort of an online trading entity and watched how the trading and, and the technology was changing and moved more fully into technology after that and spent another decade in technology. And then from there, was it an entrepreneurial jump or was there entrepreneurism the entire time? Well, it was always an entrepreneurial. The, I think the commodities group was, was one that I worked for somebody else. And then after that, I, I really pretty much worked for myself. Um, I, I started uh, with the technology and joined a group that had really in its nascent phases. And then we developed and I was a partner in that. And then we sold that and then started another one. And then we sold that and started another one. And then we sold that. Um, and then after, after those, uh, or 
during that second one, really, in the middle, I started Chameleon to make investments in, in various things. And what we ended up doing was was investing in other people's ideas mm -hmm. and using and leveraging the experience that we'd gained in technology and finance and, and operations and sales to help other people get sort of some of their ideas. We, we say it on the website. We invested in people, ideas, and market, sort of in that order, uh, people being the most valuable asset. And, uh, and we, we ended up doing that for, we've, we've been doing that ever since, really. And then the restaurant sort of grew out of that as well. So um, we invested early on in, in the high hospitality, the Uchi group. That was our first really, that was our first uh, restaurant investment. And then we invested in Paji House. And then subsequent to that, we, we started Swifts ourselves and started Wu Chow ourselves. And then now Guild, where we're sitting today. That's that's beautiful. What made the transition into restaurants? Was it a partner that you met? When was it? When did Swift's Attic open? Is is that your first one that you guys did yourselves? Yeah. yeah. The, well, it was kind of goes back a little further than that. Um, after investing in in Uchi with Tyson mm -hmm. um, and Daryl, it was uh, we were we had invested in another restaurant called Paji House, which was located down on Riverside and and uh, Lamar. And it was in the second oldest building in the city. It was, it's an amazing, an amazing site still there today. It's a, it's a law office now. But we had invested in that. And then I guess it was about 2008. And sometime around 2009, we actually acquired the, all the full interest in the restaurant with two other partners that we'd been working with. And we, that was our first restaurant that we kind of owned and managed. And we sold that restaurant in 2012 to one of the partners that we were doing it with. And in 2012, we started Swift. So about a month before we sold Padre House, we had, we had officially opened Swift's to the public. And then we just continued from there. And then 2014, really 15, we opened Wu Chow. And then 2017 slash 18, we opened Guild. I want to talk about some of these timeframes because, and also the fear and not fear, we talked about that a second ago, but really, we're looking at, you know, coming out of recession 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. So there's right. a lot of that. So I, I have to think as an investor, especially in restaurants, you, you hear this all the time. It's like one of the most risky type businesses that you can get into. But what gave you the confidence and lack of fear after that kind of an economy to jump some, some, into something like that? Well, I guess it would be two parts. One is that prior to 2008, during... To that between 2001 and 2008, primarily, we were doing a lot of real estate development, okay. a lot of real estate development. In fact, in 2008, 2009, we had just finished 64-unit condo development right there on South Lamar, and it was finishing up, and we were selling out of that, that project, a uh, beautiful project that's uh, still there today again. I uh, love it. It's called Akoya. Um, and then that recession hit, and people started having to liquidate condos and liquidate assets and liquidate holdings. We got really fortunate and that our product sold and people still wanted it and we didn't really get impacted by that. Um, and so when that middle market development lending went away and we were really a middle market developer, um, when that middle market development went away, I was looking around for, for things to get involved with. And Paji House was a restaurant that, that everybody seemed to love and would always seemed to have people in it, but it really wasn't making the money that a lot of the partners thought that it should or thought that it could. And we 
we had a, I, I went to two of the partners that I was working with and I, I made a comment. I said, so I walk by restaurants all the time and there's not that many people in them and they stay open for years. And then I, I walk by Podgy House and it seems like there's a lot of people in there. Or it seems like there's enough people in there. And, uh, and it doesn't seem to be making the money that we think it could. So I, I think that there's, there's an opportunity there. And the two partners that I was working with at the time thought enough to say, well, you know, go ahead and try it. And so we just sort of jumped in with both feet. I literally went out and bought a book or four books, really, but uh, one book on restaurant management, two books on restaurant finance and one book on restaurant inventory management and just read them and then started showing up at the restaurant and tried to tried to change things. And the restaurant turned around really quickly. And what have what for, from the four books, what have you learned during during that time? Uh, pudgy house what did you learn that you had no idea did you know that it was going to be as hard as it is to run a restaurant i know how hard it is so so did you actually know did the book say listen this is going to be really hard on you or it wasn't at the i mean everybody says the restaurant business is really difficult and i think it's really it is really difficult but i think it really falls down to again that we go back to the people ideas and markets Mm -hmm. that was the the founding principle of what we would invest in with with chameleon and People are the main thing, and and you have to have the right people doing the right things in the right areas, and you have to have everybody sort of pulling together. You know, everybody's got to everybody's got to believe and understand and what the vision and the goal and the idea is. And if they do that, and they're all pulling together at the same time, then, then usually things will will have a way of working themselves out. It's when I, I it's when I think that people don't really understand where we're going, and and they just don't have a clear idea. Uh, that you sort of seem to get into trouble um, or that everybody's just not pulling the same direction. There's a lot of you know, self-interest that happens. Uh, I think that our team, the Chameleon team right now is, is amazing. I mean, we're really fortunate. So one of the things that we did at Podgy House was we just sort of jumped in and just sort of made our presence known and, and worked with everybody that was there to try to say, well, this is what we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to go forward. We're trying, we're trying to get better. We're trying to be better. We're trying to you know, stay and be here as opposed to not being here. Right. And I think when, when people hear the honesty in that, at least at Pudgy at that point, they, they sort of, believe. they sort of started to believe and, and, well, you and care. work with us. They care. We yeah. cared. We Everybody cares. Care. We definitely care. Yeah. And Everybody if we can get other people to care, I think that, that it'll, that it takes care of it, not mm-hmm. takes care of itself, but it makes it, makes life a lot easier. There's a lot of management and there's a lot of details in the restaurant business, but if you've got a good team and you've got good people that are able to, to, to pay attention to the details and, and take care of the things that they know they're supposed to take care of. It's about execution. It's about execution. Then, then you can do great things. I read something this morning where it says, uh, you can't get your customers to believe in you until your employees do. And it sounds like that's, that's exact yep. recipe you guys use is, is tell the story to the employees, what you're trying to communicate and then have them, first of all, believe in it, and then communicate that to the clients. I, I absolutely agree. I mean, we do that in a couple of different ways. I mean, one has to do with, with making sure that, that everybody, from a concept perspective, right, there's restaurants or food service and ambiance is really only three things, right? So if you've you got to hit the food, you've got to hit the service, you've got to hit the ambiance, but behind that is that concept. If the concept is, is solid and people respond to the concept, then it's all about execution after that. You know, we've got to build a physical plant that's beautiful, and, or that's comfortable, not even beautiful. It doesn't have to be beautiful. It has to be comfortable. People have to want to be there. People have to want to be willing to spend time there. If, 
it doesn't matter how rest, how beautiful the place is if it doesn't feel like people want to be there. Mm -hmm. and it's not going to work, even mm -hmm. if the food's great and the service is great. They all have to be in balance. Right. It's a food service ambiance. But again, if you if you put the concept forward, if you tell the story and the staff sort of gets what you're trying to do and, and is willing to come along on that ride, then, then you can do great things. And, and we say even beyond that, that how you convey that story to the to the to the customers, to your guests, is even is even more important, right? The, we say the difference between a good meal and a great meal is the story. And so it's it's one thing to to come in and have really good food, but we tell a story here about this oyster savoyon dish that we have at Guild, and the story behind it is 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 a meaningful one. You know, uh, our executive chef and my partner Sterling Ridings went to Napa and ate at French Laundry as a special honeymoon meal and was inspired by this one dish that he had at French Laundry and, and the oyster sauvignon dish, you know, came out of that. I don't, I don't need to go into the whole right, right, marriage right. story, but it's one of the things that, that, the, that our staff will share with our guests. And it, and it, it provides something that, that somebody can connect to. Mm -hmm. And so we have the concept through to the food, through to the story, through to the guest, and it seems to work out. So being that you have a couple different concepts now, what have you seen in the restaurant industry in Austin? How have you seen it evolve since you started? Everybody's opening up restaurants and and there's a lot of successful ones. So the competition has spiked super high yes. and it wasn't like that 10 years ago, right? I mean, yeah. you had you had the first ones coming up. Tyson Cole, yep. Bryce Gilmore yep. was coming up. That's right. Um, and then now now it's everybody right yep. so how has that changed and and how have you evolved with it in your business well i think the the business is much different than it was 10 years ago i think that um i think the biggest thing that we probably have to deal with is staffing there's just really there's just not enough people to to be involved uh as many people move to Austin, it, it, it always, if you talk to other people in the business, it might not be true. If you talk to other people in the business, we all sort of feel like the same thing. We all feel like we're all competing for qualified people in Austin. Um, there was a huge proliferation of restaurants. Um, restaurants, a couple of years ago, it seemed that restaurants were open in every, every couple of days. Seriously. I mean, it was really amazing to see the, the clip at which people just sort of came in and, and were able to open restaurants. But I've also seen restaurants, I think, that, that I think you have to have, there's, gotta, there's a lot that goes into it. And there's a million reasons why a restaurant maybe won't make it. Um, but there's also a million reasons why a restaurant can make it. But I think that, that the things we talked about before, that clear communication always helps. But um, I think that the, the industry has seen a lot of development and a lot of concepts come in. So... For us, it's the difficulty in finding the staff and then trying to find something that Austin wants mm -hmm. is the other thing. I mean, Guild was, we signed the lease on this building in 2015. Yeah. I mean, that was, we had the concept and the lease in 2015. So the rest is, is, is a couple of years of just trying to get it out of the ground and trying to get it presented to the city. Um, but you have to sort of figure out what you think the city wants and what area of the city you want to be in and how you're going to deliver that to that area of the city. And then and then make it happen. So the, the the challenge is sort of finding that thing that Austin wants, and then finding the place that you think it needs to be, and then translating what that area wants it to be, because the space has to work through, and then putting it all together. It's some of the, for me, it, there's a big help with the real estate as a real estate developer, somebody that that, that builds projects. I, I have the ability, or I have 
I feel like I have the ability to kind of look around and feel a little bit more about what the space kind of not necessarily wants to be, but it could, it be. could be. Yeah. Because I've, I've done it a few times and I, I guess maybe we have a little bit of that benefit. Mm -hmm. um, I've also learned a lot from, from the real estate about how to create a space that people want to be in that feels comfortable, that feels a little warmer. It's really from designing houses and designing commercial spaces and stuff like that. So, I mean, maybe that's a little bit of, I don't know if it's an edge, but it's a little bit of experience that I bring in that regard, which has helped in the restaurants. But I think that the, to answer your question, the, the thing that changed the most is the, I think the people mm -hmm. and I think the concepts. Yeah. It's, it's, it's probably a little more challenging to find the thing that the city wants and the area that the city wants it and then get it to market. In a, in a reasonable time and with a reasonable amount of money. Yeah. And being that you have different concepts, how do you develop concepts? Do you sit with your team in a room and you're like, is it just like that? What does Austin want? What doesn't it have? What can we bring to them? Yeah. Is that... I, 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 so you, you mentioned Wu Chow before, you mentioned CK mm -hmm. before. Um, Wu Chow grew out of a... I'm from New York originally and I'm, I've been here this time for 20 years mm -hmm. and I've lived half, more than half my life at this point in, in the city. So I kind of feel like an Austinite more than, more than not. Um, but I remember as a child growing up eating really, really good Chinese food. And in Austin, I just felt like there was a, a need for that kind of thing. And, and CK and I were working on Swifts and we were looking at spaces and we found the IBC space and the building sort of looked like a building out of Macau. It had this really interesting little curve to it, and we thought, ah, there's an opportunity there for, for something. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it had just a slightly Asian feel to us. And CK's background, he's, he, CK's Chinese, he speaks Chinese, and he also grew up eating that food. We had another concept that we were kicking around, but, I mean, it just sort of, when we stood in the space, it just sort of fit. And we presented the two ideas to IBC, and they liked the Chinese idea better, and, and Wu Chao was born. Um, but it, it came from, but prior to that, it came from just sitting down with a, with a group of people and sort of saying, you know, what does Austin want? What does Austin need? What, what are we missing? What, what don't we have? And at this point, I think Austin probably has a little of everything. It just has to be a question of where you nailed how it, you actually though. I mean, at the time I remember, I remember distinctly thinking to myself, Austin doesn't have any Chinese food and lo and behold, Wu Chow pops up. I mean, seriously, it was the perfect time. And that's that's all about execution, right? On the idea of what Austin wants. So, I I want to go back a little bit to Tyson and you finding Tyson or fi Tyson finding you. I don't know how it happened. Um, My art, you mean the first investment? In, yeah, in first a investment. Yeah, because um, that's a pretty good one. That's a great one, right? So it, Uchi. Yeah, it's a, they're they're the best. Yes, they do. I'm a, like that. They do a really, really good job. Uh -huh. um, and Sterling, my the executive chef here, head chef here, and, and my partner is, is actually came from Uchiko. Um, but the and a lot of people in this town have have come through and graduated through that the high hospitality group and put out some amazing, amazing stuff. So that at the very least, they're an incubator, and at the very best, they're probably you know one of the very best restaurants in the city and a well-run restaurant group but the um the relationship with tyson started at mosashinu yeah and uh and the funny thing is swiss attic is in kyoto's old space where tyson first started really but anyway the i met tyson at mosashinu and and we just became friends and one day sitting in the kitchen in the back of the restaurant he was talking about wanting to do his own thing and we said that if you we're not the only investors. Uh, there, I think there's four other, five other investors in the group. But 
uh, he came to us and said, or he came to, to me specifically and said, you know, I want to do my own thing. And I said, well, at the time I wasn't really in restaurants. I probably should have said yes. But at the time I said, if, if you can find somebody to do it with you, I mean, we'll, we'll put some money in. And that's how, that's how that happened. And then nice. a few months later, he, more than a few months later, but a few months later he came and said, hey, we're ready. And so we invested and they started Uchi and, and that was history. And, and then after that, there was uh, some people that I knew from Kenichi, mm-hmm. Shane Stark. And he came and brought me in to meet a few other people. And we ended up investing in, in Pudgy House. And then we bought Pudgy House. And, and then you know how that all, yeah. Relationships, conversations. And it, it, yeah, a lot and of I want to go back to what we were talking about before we started the podcast was the main chameleon. Yeah. And... I think that's interesting. Will you just share with the audience where you guys came up with it and why? Yeah, I wasn't in 2001. I wasn't really sure what we were going to do with this direction that we were. We were. We knew we were going to make investments in other stuff, quote unquote stuff, and we knew we wanted to do people, ideas, and markets, and we wanted to do it primarily in the Southwest. But you know, I had finance and operations, and I had sales and business development experience, and we had a, a couple of people that we were working with at the time that, that rounded out a couple of other areas and. I had this background in tech, and so we were. We started, and I, and in college, I used to work on. I, I was in construction, so I started doing um, land bank financing deals, and I started doing uh, specific or tailored lending to developers that weren't conventionally bankable, and uh, you know, guys that just couldn't walk into a, a bank and get a loan. Uh, so they would come to us and we would work together with them on, on their real estate developments. And we worked uh, on investing in some tech. And so we weren't really sure what we were really doing. We were, and the land bank financing was just really off balance sheet conduit stuff. It was really interesting, uh, fun in a, in a rising market. But so, cause we weren't really sure what we wanted to do. So we just said, you know, what, what could we change? What's, what's morphable. And so we just called the company chameleon because we weren't really sure. I love that. You knew you wanted to follow your passion. Didn't even know what you wanted to get into, right. but I'm doing my own thing right. and going forward. You also mentioned something I want to bring up, uh, the conversation between you and your wife about this thing called fear and, and, and your philosophy and her philosophy about your fear or fearless. Well, my wife says that I lack fear about starting something specifically. I mean, I'm, I have fear, believe me. I carry some stress. But as far as starting a new business or getting involved in something, um, she says that I, I, I just don't have any fear. I usually listen to Lisa. Um, so she said one of the things that, that, that she's observed is that if I don't know something about something, I just go find out. Read a book. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, think the, I think the restaurant <laughs> business was that, was, that was definitely something that I needed to get up to speed on really, really quickly. But... Um, I, we try to consume, I, I use Royal We a lot. I try to consume a lot of, a lot of information, a lot of data, a lot of magazines, a lot of books, a lot of, a lot of podcasts, you know, where the, yes, podcasts, <laughs> where the market's going and you know, what, what's, what's needed and what, what the opportunities are. We just consume a lot of that. And, you know, so I sort of filter it through and, and, and try to look for, for, for trends and directions where things are going. Yeah. Um, but the, and I think that that helps with, with some of that, I don't, maybe not fear, right. but if, if somebody comes with an idea or a thought or a business that we've never done before, that we haven't been involved in, um, you have that open mind. It's just like, oh, yes, we have a very open mind. Okay. We have, and right now, especially we have amazing people mm-hmm. that if I don't know something about it, I can just turn to Liz or Sterling or Barry or 
Hershey or any of these guys and just say, hey, what do you think about this? And, and it's, it's really nice to have that sounding board. But lacking any, I, it, it's not necessarily confidence. I won't call it confidence, but it's just like, it, it's not limiting yourself. We just look forward and we just say, we can do this. And if we can't necessarily, if we don't have what we need right this second, we'll figure it out or we'll gain it or we'll attract it or we'll, we'll add it or we'll learn it and, and we'll so, just move forward. So powerful. That's why I want to bring that out in, in the podcast because that is it just people sit at home sometimes with an idea for years and don't move because sometimes they're trying to have all the answers before they get started. You and never have what, all the answers. What just I'm never. What I say is like, some, I didn't even know what we were going to do. That's why we named it this company named Chameleon. Right. And then we just kind of moved forward and figured it out and, and still to this day have the same attitude yeah. about new ideas. I think... I think you can start almost anything you want with sheer force of will. I think if you want it bad enough and you really want to move forward, you, like you said, I don't think you should wait for all the answers. I mean, it, it's good to be educated. It's good to know what you're doing. I'm not reckless by any means. We're, we'd like to, we'll take chances, but, but we're still conservative. I mean, we don't like to make mistakes. Right. But I don't think that you're ever going to have every single answer. And, and what and my wife okay. and I talk about is that you know she says that the hardest part that she's seen for most people is starting. It's just taking that first step. Yeah. And that's what you've got to do. You've, you've, you've got to commit to that first step first. Just do it. If it's whatever it is, even if it's symbolic, if you want to have this company, just go and start the company. Just go down to the Secretary of State's office and file the paperwork and get your LP or your LLC or your C Corp or your S Corp or whatever you, you, know, you want to do and just do it. And then you have the name and the piece of paper. And hopefully that will provide some level of impetus, some level of inspiration, some level of motivation that you'll just start doing stuff yeah. and then add and add and add and add. Once One you have time. that responsibility, you have to step on the path and just start. You don't have to have it all figured out. It's good to have a lot of it figured out. I'm a big fan of business plans, not necessarily for other people, but I'm a big fan of business plans to help you understand exactly what your thought process is. I mean, I, nobody might read five years from now, a marketing plan for this restaurant. But the fact that I had to write it and think through the process yeah. at least helps me understand who my market is. And, you know, right now we're working with Liz. We knew when, before we opened the restaurant what our marketing plan was. Honestly, I, we haven't read it, but Liz and I now work together following that, that idea, that marketing plan. Who was our demographic? Who are our people? Who are, uh, how do we get to them? How do we attract them? How do we bring them into the, how do you build awareness? All these things are, are things that we, we continually are working on. Um, but you have to start, right? But you have to take that first step and just start. Yeah, love that, love that. I love that too. You know, we're sitting for the audience that, that can't really see us because we are on a podcast. We are in a beautiful restaurant and it's Guild, G-U-I-L-D. And this is your third concept within, right? At fourth, really. Yeah, fourth, fourth if you count Podgy House. Yeah, 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 so fourth if you count Podgy House. Because we redid Podgy. I mean, we went into Podgy House and we did a, a redesign and a lot of construction work and, and cha basically changed the concept. So fourth. Um, tell the audience, it's primarily Austin, tell them all about Guild and what the concept is and what you guys want to do with the food and what kind of food that you're actually doing here. Uh, Guild and is, bar. Guild is a seasonally driven restaurant that's uh, seafood forward. I mean... We're more of a seafood restaurant. I think we probably have about 60% of the menu is seafood. Um, it's all sustainable and it's very farm to table. In fact, out front, we have our own little victory garden that we're starting to grow our own little urban garden here now. And, um, and you know, Sterling concept was, as we worked forward, was to treat 
the protein with the respect that it deserved kind of thing. It wasn't, uh, uh, it's it not like, Oh, would you like swordfish? Would you like it blackened? Would you like it grilled? Would you like it? it was, yeah. You know, the, the, the fish will come the way that the fish needs to come based on the flesh and the taste and the, you know, where we got it and all that kind of fun stuff. And so, um, we felt that there was a need. I, I think that, that a lot of people are moving more towards, uh, some more seafood products in the last, uh, I think it's, uh, what did they say in the last, 10, I think it's maybe 15 years. In the last 15 years, people are eating 10% less uh, land protein. I think people are moving in the direction of, of seafood, especially sustainable seafood. We need to move in the direction of sustainable seafood. Uh, the perception being that, that a lot of the, the seafood is, is healthier grown. I think that between hormones, I personally am allergic to bovine growth hormones, so I can't eat most beef in the United States. Um, so I think that, you know, that there's a perception that, that it's, it's healthier and we want it to be a healthy, clean restaurant focusing on seafood in this part of town. Mm -hmm. Cause I don't think that this specific part of town really has a lot of, a lot, as many choices as say downtown or even, even further North. Right. Uh, so we, we picked this spot and we picked that concept and so far we've been really well received. It's nice to see. Love it. Is that a good enough answer? Is there anything else that we need to let the audience know about you and the other restaurants? Um, how to get a hold of you or how to... You know, yeah, absolutely. You can, if you want to get a hold of, of us or me specifically, you can go to the website, uh, chameleongp.com. GP is in general partner. Again, an old where we were you know, more of an yeah. investor group, but uh, chameleongp.com, and you can reach out directly to me uh, through that website, or you can call the office and, and uh, you know, leave a message, and I'll, I'll get back to you. Sounds very good. Great, okay. Stuart. Well, thank you very much for having us in. Um, everybody out in the audience, just just something to recap. Start. Just start. Go down the path because you're not going to get anywhere unless you you make that first step. So go ahead and do that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoyable, sustainable, and unique. Things that have made Stuart successful in what can be intensely competitive industries. Thank you, Stuart, for speaking with us. The Masters and Founders team includes me, Dan Dillard, producer Mariah Gossett, and audio engineer Jake Wallace. Thank you to the entire crew at Founding Austin for your support. Want to connect with other Masters and Founders fans? Make sure you're a member of our Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. And please share the show with a friend or leave us a review on iTunes to help others find the show. Thanks for listening.